Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. I hope your Sunday is going well and that you're looking forward to this this new week that we have um, just coming up upon us. And so I appreciate you spending time with me and all the ways I see you on social media. And if you ever have any ideas, you can always email me at CynthiaHyatt at gmail.com or you can do it through the website or through any of the social media avenues. If you have any ideas of what you'd like me to post more about or what might be more helpful or encouraging, inspirational for you. So today I want to really look at this holiday time and really spend the next couple of shows on how we're going to maneuver through the holidays. And if the holidays are meant to enjoy, you know, this good quote-unquote family time, then we all say to ourselves, why do we feel so anxious? And I hope you take this in the way that it is presented because I do have kind of a funny sense of humor sometimes. And I use this analogy with many of my clients over the years. And it's kind of a lighthearted analogy for how we can view family. And what I say to my clients oftentimes is, you know, family is like alcohol, right? So we need to do it in moderation. And it's directly dependent on the level of quote unquote proof, the proof of it. So is my family dysfunction or proof level that of beer or 100% proof whiskey or Everclear? That is to say, if I indulge in my family too much, I often come away with a bad family hangover. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about when I say that. So if I indulge regularly, I may actually become addicted and subsequently dependent on that dysfunction. So we know that alcohol in moderation is fine, and sometimes I guess it adds to the ambiance of any occasion. And this can be the same with family. So if my family is highly dysfunctional, very addictive, and or abusive, then I want to be very judicious in how much, how long, and how often I interact with them. Because what we find is that the more we interact with highly dysfunctional, abusive people, the greater our tolerance for dysfunction is, the more that rubs off on us. We have a tendency then to lower our standards of our own behaviors. And we say, well, we're not as bad as them. So we want to be really careful. I mean, it's okay to leave and come back on an occasion. It's okay to go run an errand and say, hey, you know, we have to go run out and drop this gift box off to so-and-so. We're going to come back this afternoon. It's okay to leave early. It's okay to come late. And sometimes it's okay to say we're not up to it this year. So it's helpful to spread out the times I socialize and monitor how vulnerable I allow myself to be. Because remember, we all know how to get along. I can get along with anyone. 
if it's for a short period of time, and if I'm in my quote-unquote adult self. I mean, I do it at work every day. The problem is, I might not be able to get along if I'm spending eight hours with them or an entire weekend away with them. So we want to not be naive about what we're expecting ourselves to do. It can sound like a great idea, but we want to be truthful with ourselves about who we are, who our family is, and if this is going to actually give us the holiday time that might be redeemable, might even be positive. So it's up to us to formulate it into a way that brings out the best version of who we are and hopefully brings out a better version in our families of origin and in our extended families. So we talked last week a lot about being the best version of me and how to do that. One of the things we talked about last week was the importance of self-care. So if I know that I'm going to an event, a family event, a party, whatever it may be, that is going to be probably stressful at least and maybe um, infuriating and insulting at worst, maybe even violent sometimes emotionally or even physically, I better be prepared. I better rest, take good care of myself, work on anxiety, work on my own self-care, my own self-talk, my own expectations of the event. So anxiety is part of our warning or alarm system. So if I'm feeling anxiety before interacting with family, my alarm system is warning me of some type of potential danger or hurt. Now, it may be indicating that something or someone that I'm going to be encountering is going to be out of control. I might feel anxiety because I'm not sure, you know, quote unquote, what's going to happen because I know what's happened in the past. Consequently, I may worry that I'm not going to be okay. As a result, I might start feeling a little out of control because I feel that I can't protect myself or feel I will be at the mercy of another person, group, or situation. So the best protection is always healthy boundaries. And that means I know where I begin and where the other ends. Or I know where I end and you begin. Which means I know what I can control and what I need to accept. And I will tell you, family events are probably not the time to do interventions around the holidays. It's probably not the time to try to change people's behavior. It's probably not the time to try to disseminate truth. That usually is best done individually in a less stressful period of time. So I have to plan how I'm going to take care of me. I have to know my limits. I have to know how, fa how far I'm going to extend myself and what I will and will not tolerate. So for example, it may be something like you're going to a family dinner for Christmas. You're going to be exchanging gifts. You have in-laws, outlaws, right? Cousins, nieces, nephews, and the majority of your family drinks a lot. And so the tolerance may be, 
I can stay there for an hour and a half. I can enjoy as much as possible. And then we can leave. So that we're not there as people get more and more inebriated. It may be that a boundary is if I see my nieces and nephews that are underage being allowed to drink, then I may, ne I may need to leave at that time. I may need to leave if things start to escalate emotionally to a violent level, where there's pushing and shoving and yelling and screaming and swearing. And that you say to yourself, if I grew up in that, one of the nicest things about growing up as an adult is that I'm not dependent on these people for my survival. So I can leave. The worst thing that could probably happen is they'll be mad at me. They'll be offended by me. They'll gossip about me, deride me, have to say mean things about me, tear my character apart. But typically we all know that that's because they're embarrassed about their own behavior. So as long as we're not leaving with a judgmental attitude, a haughty attitude, one that says I'm better than you, part of that is just making sure that you can be who you need to be. Because one of two things will happen if you stay. You will either complicate the situation because it will become unbearable and you will feel that you need to confront it, which is not good to confront people that are inebriated or altered in any way. It's probably not the best occasion if we're doing holidays and there's other family members around to try to confront behaviors and try to resolve something. So you'll either feel compelled to start talking or gossiping as a way to tolerate the situation or you'll go back into your old ways of really relating and enduring those types of things. And if you've chosen not to drink, you may find yourself drinking. So you want to be really careful and really honest about what you can do to be the best version of you. Because for, for all intents and purposes, even if they get angry with you, that's the best thing you could do for your family is you be in control of you and not trying to control the externals like people, places, and things. But to relax your body, say, these are, this is not my problem. I'm not the therapist. I'm not God. I'm not the pastor. I'm not the teacher. I'm not the parent. So these are not my problems to solve. I can observe them. I can pray in the midst of it. So I really need to know those appropriate expectations so that I don't walk away with the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then mentality. And that's, you know, they should, and if they would only, then it would be so great and I wouldn't be so hurt. Or if I would have said this, maybe they wouldn't have gotten in an argument. Maybe they wouldn't have fought. Maybe so-and-so wouldn't have stormed out and gotten their car inebriated and drove home. See, these are things that you have to think about are more childlike. That When children grow up in families that are chaotic, they have a tendency to feel like they have more control over things than they actually do. And as adults, we need to recognize, I have no control over another adult's behavior. None. Even if I'm the worst version of me, they still are, are able to control themselves if they so choose to control themselves. So don't be shocked and surprised when every time your family acts like your family. 
I can't be shocked when my family acts like my family. That's my family until they change. I have to accept that's my family. So this is one of the ways we go into it with a much better attitude, a lot more flexibility, a lot more acceptance. Because remember, acceptance does not mean agreement. If I accept all the craziness that's going on, that doesn't mean I'm complicit in agreeing. I don't need to hold the standard for the moral code for that day. Everybody knows what's right and wrong. That's not rocket science. So it's imperative for us to really understand what we're doing there and why we are there. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue to talk about holiday times and why do I feel so anxious? Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. So thankful that you're joining me. And I'm hoping that the next couple of shows are going to be helpful and very supportive and maybe offer some guidance and help usher in some peace for these holiday times because they can be quite stressful. Still, every year we always look forward to them in one way, shape, or manner. But they are very stressful. And so we talked in the last segment about realistic expectations. When we go to these events, these different family events, whether they be our family of origin, extended family, our in-laws, outlaws, whatever it may be, whoever is going to show up, whoever refuses to show up, that we really have to understand that family is one of those things that God has created for a very specific reason. He loves family. He doesn't love how our families are always looking, but this has been going on since the beginning of time. And when I really reflected on the fact that Adam and Eve fell, they're kicked out of the garden, the first two kids on the planet, I mean, this is a small family. This is Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. The first family, I mean, how dysfunctional can you be, right? The brother, because of his greed, jealousy, horrible character, couldn't get over his jealousy, and premeditated, with premeditation, murdered his brother. I mean, that's a made-for-TV movie. This is the first family. So we need to be really realistic about this issue of sin and the fallenness of sin and what that has done to God's people and why God keeps hanging in there with people. He knows we are infected with a sickness of sin. It doesn't mean that we necessarily accept it as the only way to be. We know that there's an antidote, and that's Jesus. But we want to be realistic. Everyone's battling something. Everyone's struggling. And many times we can look at the outside of someone's life and have no idea what's going on with them inside, have no idea how much shame, insecurity, frustration with themselves, self-hatred that they may have over the behavior they're doing because they may look very cavalier in their behavior. And that's a coping skill. So we want to really work on acceptance, especially around the holidays. These are very stressful times. There's so much pressure that we put on ourselves 
our families, our friends, the expectations that we have, the, the feelings that we are craving. So we want to be really accepting of who people are. And remember, acceptance does not mean agreement. God accepts his people 100% just as they are, right? That famous hymn, Just As I Am, without one plea. This is how we come to God, just as we are. So we need to accept people as God accepts people. doesn't mean that we agree, condone, want to indulge with them in any certain behaviors. But we don't know their story. We know a part of it, a piece of it. We want to be very careful about judgment. So whatever quote-unquote state my family is in, they are very valuable. They are very valuable to God. So I'm not going to be my version of God who judges and condemns or tries to change them. I'm going to truly love them to the best of my ability. And sometimes that means... I can only stay for 30 minutes. It might mean I need to drop in for dessert and leave. And that's the way I can be the best me, that I can love them, not judge them, not walk away with really ugly feelings toward them. So I'm going to accept them. Realizing doesn't mean I agree, condone, approve, or like what they do on any given day. It simply means I accept them where they are today and leave the change process to God and work really hard at not getting in the way of what God is doing. So I'm going to accept them the same way I want to be accepted. I'm going to practice the love chapter as best as I can. And if I can't do that, and really sometimes I just can't, then I'm going to practice the Hippocratic Oath, which is just do no harm. If I can't fix it, then I'll at least do no harm, right? So how do we handle some of these certain family members? Well, how, how do you handle the family member that never talks to you all year and then wants to be your best friend? Now, some of these things that we're going to talk about in the ne- this next half hour have been um, sent to me by certain um, different listeners, people that are following me on social media, and they're presenting questions to me. And so one of the questions was, the family member, how do I handle this person that talks, that never talks to me all year, pretends like they don't know me, and then all of a sudden I show up at the event and we're best friends? So here's what I want you to think about. Maybe they're as anxious as you are about being around family. Maybe it's healthier for me if I don't resent what may be their neediness. Instead of judging them as shallow or maybe um, manipulative or wanting to, you know, take advantage of me. Because that kind of behavior is usually coming from woundedness and insecurity. Now, although it may be irritating, it's not dangerous. It's not illegal. It's not immoral. So the key here is detachment. Detachment means that I become more observant and more curious. I don't have to have an opinion on it. I don't have to have a solution for it. I don't have to be offended or resented, resentful for it. So I need, not, I need to not feel compelled or controlled by whatever their needs are. So 
I'm not feeding some delusion that we're best friends simply because I'm being gracious and nice and polite. I simply can be that to anybody. So if I know how far I'm going to let the relationship go, and I then don't have to operate out of extremes trying to make sure they know I'm not going to be their best friend. See, the operative word here is response, not react. I don't want to change and can't change or control their issues in order for me to feel okay. So we want to make sure that we're valuing humans, regardless of the level of dysfunction or how insulting they may seem to be. Most people are far more anxious than you, you would ever know. They're probably depressed as well. They're worried. They probably have some grief and loss because things aren't going well, their life isn't working. They feel like they have to show up and look a certain way and act a certain way so, so they will be accepted. So we've got a lot of anxiety. This is one of the reasons there's so much drinking at family, at family gatherings is because the level of anxiety and how susceptible we are to our family. It's hard to have good boundaries and feel safe with family because they're in, inside of us. They're under our skin. We grew up with them. We have history. We're very attached to them, even if we don't like them. So they affect us more. One gesture, one glance, one word, ignoring us, dismissing us, walking away, has high, high effect. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We're going to end this with more questions about how we handle these family gatherings. Join me in the, in the next section and see you on the other side. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And I'm praying for you that your week will go well and that it, you will manage the stress that God will give you little just examples of how much he loves you. Whether it be through people saying something to you, a kind gesture, whether it's a song on the radio, a hug from a friend, whatever it may be, that you would know that you are valued and that you are loved. And that God understands the holiday time. He really understands family. You have to remember, Jesus had a family. And so he knows what it's like to live in a family. So when we're looking at these different people that we may have to interact with, I had another question from a listener that said, what about the family member that has no boundaries? And that would be, if you're all familiar with the movie, uh, What About Bob? And that's the Richard Dreyfuss movie about his patient that followed him everywhere and his whole entire family loved this patient and this patient had no boundaries whatsoever. He was sleeping in his house. He was showing up at his cottage on his vacation. And everybody else was just loving this movie. And I'm telling you, I had anxiety because I understood how Richard, Richard Dreyfuss was feeling. It's like he could not figure out how to do good boundaries with his patient and not look mean to his family. And so we need to practice boundaries. And we need to remind ourselves that no one can make us do anything. So I can be polite. I can graciously remove myself. I can talk with others. I can help with the event. I can run errands. I can also handle anyone for a couple of hours. Maybe not 
completely a couple hours straight, but I can handle a situation as an adult and be on my own game and practice good boundaries. And no matter how out of control somebody can be, I can still be in control of myself. See, it's important that I don't take their dysfunction per- personally because that leads to judging and disdaining another individual. It's not, a, it's not abusive when I need to look at it as simply irritating. See, irritating is different than abusive. Illegal, immoral, unethical, dangerous is different than uncomfortable, irritating, annoying, frustrating, stupid, silly, gross. So we need to make sure that we are gauging what's going on. Now, if you are at a family event and there is illegal things happening, horribly immoral things, unethical things, abusive things, I would recommend that you graciously leave. Say you have two or three more events you need to attend to and you were glad to see them all and you wish them all a great evening. And if they give you a hard time, let them give you a hard time and leave anyways. If they won't let you leave well, leave anyways. You have to remember you can't control how these people are going to interact. You can only control what you do. So you want to walk away from the situation knowing that you did your best version. You did everything you could to leave on a good note. If they wouldn't let you, that's really on them. But you don't want to turn into somebody that you're not or somebody that you can't be proud of. So how about this question? What to do and or say when someone buys you something and you didn't and the relationship wasn't close enough to buy them something. Like, why did you buy me something? We never exchange gifts. You know, again, be gracious. If you have good boundaries, then I know I'm being true to myself in regards to who I purchase gifts for and why. God doesn't want me acting out of false guilt. So if someone bought me a gift, I'm going to be gracious and appreciate it. And I'm going to enjoy the spirit of giving. And I'll resist reading into it and subsequently feeling controlled and compelled to reciprocate. I'll just simply accept it as a way that that person chooses to express themselves and what works for them. Maybe this is how they deal with their family holiday anxiety. Maybe their, their, their love language is gift giving. So I'm going to trust my own judgment as to what's appropriate and not fall into self-doubt because that's probably originating from my own family of origin issues and experiences, right? So before I rush out and fix it, by buying him a gift, I can really present this quandary to God and ask for guidance. Direction and peace is how to respond. And I'm going to resist feeling angry because I now feel confused or doubtful. So I'm going to resist that. And I'm going to simply say, that is the sweetest thing. Thank you for thinking of me. I had no idea. I'm going to really enjoy this. And that's one of the kindest things that you can do. So I want you to think about the Christmas spirit really is one of giving thanks. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for that gift. We did nothing to deserve it. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we finish up some of the anxiety that we may have over holidays. 
welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. And we are spending the next couple of shows on family holidays and holidays and how we enhance the holidays, survive the holidays, how we do what we can to make the holiday a better experience for all of our families and friends, and how we make sure that we are being the best version of ourselves. So if you missed last week's show, I want to encourage you to go to the website and listen to the show we did on Be Your Own Best Version. And we have a whole entire list also of habits and behaviors that help you to be your own best version. And that's the version that we want to make sure shows up to all these holiday events. That way, we can know that no matter how poorly the event went, it wasn't because we lost control of ourselves. And you know what? If you do, then you be gracious to yourself just as God is gracious to you. And know that he understands family. If you remember when Christ went to Nazareth, this is when he was first realizing and coming into being the Messiah and doing miracles. He went back to his hometown and his, his family of origin because he wanted to perform a bunch of miracles for all of them. And they were so hard on him, so condemning, so derisive. They mocked him. They shamed him. That he walked out of that city so angry, he dusted off his shoes, which is in Jewish law, meaning never to return. And he said the famous verse, do not cast pearls before swine. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. If you do, they will turn on you and trample them and tear you to pieces. So I want you to think about that. There's nothing wrong with dogs and pigs. But what we understand is that dogs aren't very discriminating about what they eat, what they consume. And pigs enjoy squalor and can be pretty mean in a, in a pack, in a group. And so you want to think about where the level of toxicity is when it comes to your family as to how to survive it. I want to have appropriate expectations. I'm not going to give just my open heart to people that have trashed it every year. I'm not going to give my pearls of wisdom to people that are foolishly acting and don't care one way or the other. And then walk away dismayed, disheartened, hurt, and frustrated. I'm going to recognize this is my family. And Jesus had one as well. The entire population of humans belong to God and are his family. As of today, now, when Jesus Christ returns, we will find out who the family we land with is. But for now, God takes on the entire world and loves the world. He says, for as God so loved the world. So one of the things that can really help us with these family events is this idea of appropriate expectations, that I'm not going to continue to be shocked and surprised by behaviors I have seen since I was a child. I might feel sad, might be disappointed, but I'm certainly not going to take them personally, even if they try to personalize them. Anytime people try to personalize their dysfunction towards you so that you feel bad, it's just simply them discharging it on you, wanting you 
to carry their bad feelings. They don't want to feel them, so they want to give them to you. So boundaries are about not taking them on. Letting them float out in between the two of you and saying, I'm just going to observe that. I'm not going to take that in. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm not going to try to change it. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm going to simply look at it and say, okay, and move on. So I found this great um, article, and this is uh, by Stanford Education, and it was written by Mary Faustin English. She's a marriage and family therapist. And so I wanted to share some of this with you. She's saying much of what we've already been talking about, but I wanted to just talk about this idea about what makes family relationships so complicated. And really what we know as therapists is that family relationships are complicated because of the expectation that we should all be the same, because we're a part of the same family. And see, this is a very young way to experience intimacy, is to be the same. When you think about little children, they want to act like their parents, talk like their parents, walk like their parents, dress like their parents, be what their parents are when they grow up. One of the ways that humans feel close is by feeling like we are the same. So it's a wonderful feeling, but it's about the youngest form or the most immature form of intimacy is being the same. Now, we have to have some similarity and sameness in order to have intimacy with another adult. But what happens in our family of origin is as we grow up, we find out we're not the same, and we actually may be extremely different, which makes it more difficult to figure out how to have closeness, how to have intimacy. And so the expectations we have on each other, because we're related, can make it very difficult to be ourselves, especially if we have different values, different value system, different moral code, different goals, different lifestyles and other family members. And because of those pre-established roles of who we are and who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, and that's based on gender and birth order and family rules and family rituals, all those family systems, they don't always give us the space to be who we really are. And we may be afraid to be who we are because we may realize or worry that if we're really who we are, we're not going to be accepted or liked or respected or wanted. And that may have come from past experiences. It may be true. So part of what we want to remind ourselves is, as an adult, we're really only answering to God now. Now, there are people in my life I answer to out of respect for them, but ultimately I really don't have to answer to them. Because I don't stand before them when I die. I stand before God. So I'm answering to God for who I am. So when I go and interact in all these different families that I'm a part of, I need to keep reminding myself that I'm going to answer to God for what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm acting, what my responses are like, what my body language and my facial expressions are doing. I'm not answering necessarily to these people. So families are these systems. And when change occurs within a system or outside of it, that balance or equilibrium 
is upset. Think of, think of uh, those mobiles that we hang above the crib of a baby. And you touch one piece of the mobile and the whole mobile moves. That's kind of what family systems are like. If so-and-so gets married, it, it changes the equilibrium of the family. Somebody has a baby. Someone passes away. Somebody divorces. Someone has an addiction. Someone goes through bankruptcy. Has a terminal, finds out they have a terminal illness. It changes the equilibrium of that whole entire system. So keeping the balance is complicated because change is inevitable. And people do change and grow in spite of the pressure to conform and keep the balance. So this fixing is this feeling that we want to just fix everything so we can be one big happy family instead of just being the family that we are. And recognizing but that's how God feels about his family. He's not, he's not getting along with everyone in his family. He's not happy with everyone in his family. He's not proud of everybody in his family. But he loves everyone in his family. And he seeks to have intimacy to the best of each ability with each person on this planet. So that's where we take our cues from, is we say, you know, the family's changed. It has to change. It needs to change. So we can have some similarities and we can have some glaring differences. But we can still be a family. The healthiest families are the ones that make room and space for each family member. And that doesn't mean we agree with lifestyles all the time or choices that people are making. But we're not, in their, we're not in their shoes. We don't know why they're doing what they're doing all the time. We don't know what kind of pain they're in psychically, emotionally. We don't know what God is doing in their life. So we don't have to agree with what they're doing, but we can be kind, and we can be gracious. So why is this more challenging during the holidays? Well, some of it is, again, these expectations that we have and these assumptions that holidays are supposed to be joyous and happy and holidays are times when families all get together and we get that warm feeling and wouldn't that all be nice, right? And if you don't have family, that's a whole nother dilemma. So where do I go? Do I tag along with somebody? Do I feel like the odd man out? Is there something wrong with me because I don't have family? What if everybody's married and having children and you're the only single person with no kids? What if you're struggling with lifestyle issues? What if you don't even know always who you are to begin with? So we have these expectations that, you know, there's no place like home for the holidays. Well, we can take that a couple of different ways. And so we have that idea that the bigger the gift, the more we spend, the more we love you, the more valuable you are. The better our gift, then we somehow win the prize for being the best gift giver. And we compare and contrast ourselves with our families. Wow, she seems to have gained a lot of weight. Wow, he might be drinking more than normal. Or do they parent their children? Did they really spend that much money on that car? Can they afford that? 
We all can do that. We need to be very careful about judgment. Families are fragile and at the same time extremely resilient. So we want to go into it with an adult mindset being our own best version. That we just want to be the person that isn't causing any harm. That isn't making things worse. At least to the best of our ability. And we want to go there with courage and a lot of grace and a lot of Jesus, a lot of understanding and a lot of kindness and say, these are just people. They're just struggling, mistake-making people. That's who they are. And they're probably doing the best they can because if they could do better, why wouldn't they? Obviously, their life isn't working very well. So if they could do better, why wouldn't they do better? So we want to be accepting and loving and kind and gracious and careful about our tolerance and careful about how much time we spend, how long we are going to endure it so that we can make sure that we're being who we need to be. And we're going to take breaks. And we're going to think the best of our family and whoever comes with them. Thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you listen to it on the uh, website, on KPXQ's website as well. Love your input and your feedback. Have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you next week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah, be-